You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers Monday edition. There is plenty to talk about today and this week. I've got Eric Crocker coming back two more times this week. We're going to talk wide receiver prospects tomorrow, talk 49ers defensive backs and corner prospects, sandwiching a winky Wednesday. But today we're going to get into some of your questions later. We're going to talk running backs and a lot of big headlines this weekend following the NFC and AFC championship games. couple of new names that just got maybe a little bit more realistic on the trade market for the 49ers at quarterback. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me. That's where the questions will come from today's program. We'll hit some more questions later in the week. You can also email the show LockedOn49ers at Gmail. And wherever you found this podcast, you can find the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. It's a daily show on the entire league featuring myself and co-host Matt Williamson, former NFL and college scout. We get into everything going on in the NFL, and this is going to be a busy, busy offseason. Let's work backwards here because so much has happened since the last time we talked and Jarek McKinnon's comments about the 49ers, about returning to San Francisco. We'll touch that subject in the next segment when we talk running backs. But Championship Sunday is now over, and it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that will be hosting, oddly enough, the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 55, Brady versus Mahomes. That's going to be the huge headlines for the next two weeks. I'm going to uh, skip town for a few days and not have to hear some of those headlines, hopefully, and check out a little bit. There will be pods coming, don't worry, because two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl has always been very frustrating for me because, well, first of all, it used to be that the Super Bowl would occasionally be on my birthday. Now it's been pushed back an extra week and into the future it might be pushed back even further into February. But Brady versus Mahomes, the Super Bowl chatter, two weeks leading up to the big game is always just too much, and it's over-covered in a lot of ways. So, um, I, I'm, And we're not going to talk a lot about it here. We do have to cover some comments that Aaron Rodgers made after the Packers lost their second straight NFC Championship game. Where were you guys all one year ago when the 49ers knocked off the Packers to head to the Super Bowl themselves? Uh, it was a lot more fun for those two weeks talking about the Super Bowl when the 49ers were in it, right? But after the game, Aaron Rodgers said, quote, A lot of guys' futures, they're uncertain, myself included. And that has sent everybody wild, speculating on potentially Aaron Rodgers forcing his way out of Green Bay. And it would have to be Rodgers forcing his way out. And I know they drafted a first-round quarterback last year, Surprisingly, in Jordan Love, he didn't play at all this year. There were no preseason games. I don't know what to think about his development behind the scenes. He was playing third string, or not playing. He was third string, not playing at all, behind Tim Boyle, who was the backup this year for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Could it actually happen? Extremely unlikely. Extremely unlikely. But there is a path. Like a lot of things that seem very unlikely to start, um, once you peel back the layers, it's possible. It's not impossible that Aaron Rodgers could force his way out of Green Bay. One of the destinations could naturally be the San Francisco 49ers. Is it likely? It is very, very unlikely. So let's get that out of the way first. Big cap hit is one of the big problems for the Green Bay Packers. If they indeed 
wanted to move on from Aaron Rodgers. He's 37 years old. He's signed through his age 40 season in 2024. He was the MVP of the league. You don't trade the MVP. It's not going to happen. But Aaron, you know, it would be more Aaron Rodgers forcing his way out than the Packers saying, hey, let's get rid of the MVP, right? If he did do that and, and that all went down, it's a huge cap hit. His cap number next year is like $38 million. But a lot of that is prorated signing bonus from the contract he signed in 2018. So the Packers would eat a lot of that. They would eat $31 million of dead money. They would still save $5.5 million. So that's the other thing. It's not like they would lose money against the cap. They would take a big hit, but they would still gain total dollars on the salary cap of about $5.5 million if they were to trade Aaron Rodgers. And since that huge cap number is partially prorated signing bonus, the Packers would eat a lot of money and the 49ers or any team trading for Aaron Rodgers would, you know, he, he's averaging, I think, $24 million or something for the next three years. So it's not a bad contract at all that a, a, tr- a team trading would take on. The question is, what does it cost? What would you give up for a 37-year-old MVP quarterback? A great point I just saw pointed out on Twitter is that... Uh, this is from, I don't see it anymore. It's from listener. See if I can find it really quick here. Izaz, he said, and it's a great point. This will be Brady's fifth Super Bowl in seven years, all after turning 37 years old. 10 Super Bowls in a league where 80% of the players in the league don't even last 10 years. That's pretty amazing. And I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is on the Tom Brady path to playing until he's 45 years old. But man, it just goes to show the amazing run that Tom Brady's on. And how about that for Brady? What if Brady goes through Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes at age 43 to win another Super Bowl? I mean, ridiculous. They should just, they should, he should be the first player ever put in the Hall of Fame while he's still playing. Back to Rodgers. Not happening, but not impossible. Let's put it that way. It's another name that we can all continue to speculate now about the 49ers um, just because he made some of those comments and, and maybe he will clarify some of those comments and we'll get more news in the coming days but for right now everyone is very worked up following the Packers loss because of Aaron Rodgers comments and you know the way things have gone there over the last couple years in Green Bay is it time to move on from Aaron Rodgers we'll find out a much more likely trade candidate and he was already someone who uh, I could have seen get moved by the Detroit Lions this offseason but now it's a near certainty And according to Tom Pelissero of NFL.com, the Lions and Matthew Stafford have mutually agreed to part ways this offseason, and the team will begin exploring trade options in the coming weeks for their star QB. He goes on to say, the Lions and Matthew Stafford have had open and healthy discussions since the season ended, but the Lions starting over again, Stafford told the team he feels it's the right time to move on and team officials agreed, per sources, a new era set to begin in Detroit with their new head coach in Dan Campbell. Another report says the Lions have agreed to trade Matthew Stafford as long as they get, quote, fair market value, per a league source. If they don't find that, Stafford could still return to the team, but right now all sides are pushing toward a trade. Can you go back? You can't go back on that. What if they don't get what they're looking for? What if they're asking for something astronomical? And no team is willing to pay it. They're going to bring Matthew Stafford back now after they've already agreed to shop him around the league? That would be super awkward. I can't see that happening. So more than likely, Stafford, and I guess they have to say that because they they don't want to 
get pushed around in trade talks, knowing that they have to trade Stafford and maybe, you know, have a list of teams he's willing to go to, that kind of thing. But Matthew Stafford on the block. I've seen a number of different things about what kind of trade value Matthew Stafford could have. Some say a first round plus. Some say, uh, one person on Twitter said, um, I don't have that pulled up either. But shout out to the listener that said, the conversation starts at two firsts. And to me, that's a short conversation. Like, I'm out on two first round picks. I'm out on one. I don't think I would want to give, I would not want to give up. Like, I wouldn't call the Lions and say, hey, you can have a pick 12 for Matthew Stafford. I wouldn't do that. I'd say, hey, you can have the second round pick for Matthew Stafford. And they would say, like hell, give us your first round pick, right? And, and that's where that would go. I just, if, if, if the asking price is multiple first round picks, you should be on the horn with Green Bay or Houston first and make sure that can't happen before you start sh- shopping around for Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, 33 years old, never really won. He's 0 for 3 in the, in the three playoff games he's made in the 10-year career he's had so far. He's got a great arm, but there is definitely something missing with Matthew Stafford. He's not that top 10 quarterback anymore. You're going to trade two firsts for Matthew Stafford? A first rounder for each year he's under contract? Only has two years left. It's a it's fair value. It's not a bad contract for those two years. But then if you say, okay, we'll just extend him after you trade for him. Well, you're extending a, a 35-year-old quarterback who's been hit more than anybody over the course of the last 10 years. I'm having a hard time figuring out what the trade market should be for Stafford, what the right price is. I think in the end, a first is probably what the 49ers would have to give up, but I wouldn't want to give up more than that, and I'd be reluctant to give up the 49ers first by itself. How far are you upgrading from Garoppolo? One tier? You're not getting a top-tier quarterback. You're not getting one of those top five guys. Probably not even a top 10 guy in Stafford at this point. He has been on about a quarter of the injury reports for games in his career, although he's a really tough guy and he's toughed out a lot of injuries. He's been a very hurt quarterback, played through a lot of injuries, when will, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when those injuries, he has been hit a ton. When will those injuries mount? And one of those injuries, a pretty nasty shoulder injury too. So will he still be that guy into his mid-30s with that cannon arm? Is he the guy to lead your team to victory, even though he's never done it yet that is a big question that we will continue to ponder as we move along this off season but uh, two big names one definitely is hitting the trade market in Matthew Stafford one still very unlikely to hit the trade market in Aaron Rodgers Uh, that's just all the more fun to talk about to go along with oh yeah Deshaun Watson who could or could not potentially be in the trade market as well all three quarterbacks would be clear upgrades. Kyle Shanahan said it would take a lot. It would take a clear upgrade to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think all three of those quarterbacks would meet that standard if the 49ers are willing to pony up the cost. Much more on this topic throughout the offseason and later on in this podcast with numerous mailbag questions about quarterbacks and every scenario possible. We'll get to those after we talk running backs next. I swear I'm going to start getting in shape intensely next week. Next week's when it starts for me. February 1st is my date. A lot of people do the dry January and it starts with the New Year's resolution. No, it starts Feb 1 for me. First of all, February shorter, 28 days broken up into four exact weeks. I feel like it's easier to start things there and regiment things. And echelon bikes 
can help get you to your fitness goals if you have the same goals as I do. Echelon has an arsenal of high-tech fitness products at prices anyone can afford, from their bikes to their fitness mirrors, rowers, Echelon Stride Treadmill, world-class instructors will motivate you. Thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try Echelon Fitness Equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash locked on. That's echelon, E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash locked on. Let's grade the 49ers running backs and uh, form a plan here about what the 2021 offseason should be like as they get this position group ready for next season. And I think it's a pretty easy conversation. I don't think this needs to be a long segment here because to me, uh, the formula is very simple going forward when it comes to a Kyle Shanahan running game. And that is don't spend a lot of assets on it. So free agents out there for the 49ers. And uh, when you look statistically at what this running game looked like last year, uh, not anywhere near, I think, what we all expected it to be. But we've got to start with the comments about one of those free agent running backs, Jarek McKinnon, who was doing an Instagram live, I think it was, some sort of live. I don't I don't know which one it was. He was hanging out with Debo Samuel, and he was asked by somebody, he was returning to the San Francisco 49ers. And his response was, F no, he is not coming back to the San Francisco 49ers. A little salty there was Jarek McKinnon. And it really got a lot of fans up in an uproar and mad at Jarek McKinnon. Uh, I'm not mad at the guy. A lot of fans loved pointing out. And it's, you know, and I understand where they're coming from, too, that he made a whole bunch of money for a couple of years not playing a single snap for the 49ers. It's not his fault he tore his ACL. It's not his fault the rehab didn't go smoothly in year two for him to come back from that torn ACL. But he played hard this year for the 49ers, if ineffective. He had a couple of good games earlier on in the season. Ended with 319 rushing yards on 81 carries, a 3.9 average, five touchdowns on the ground. And he was involved in the passing game a little bit as well with... 46 targets, catching 33 of those. The same amount of receptions Debo Samuel had, by the way, for 253 yards and another score. The biggest thing he did was played all 16 games. I'm blown away by that fact. So congrats on Jarek McKinnon for actually making it back. I wasn't sure if he's going to play a snap in the NFL ever again. Came back, played all 16 games for the 49ers, was an afterthought at the end of the year and just pretty much gave way completely in the running game to Jeff Wilson. But to me, his comments were more like, you know, when there's a a breakup between two people and they're not really that mad at each other. But then when they find out that the other person wants to break up with them, then they come back even stronger and talk about all the bad things. Right. And and get all mad and and want to say all kinds of stuff. I think that's what's going on there with Jarek McKinnon. I think the writing was on the wall. He knew the 49ers weren't going to try to extend him. And so he's trying to take the power back in the situation and, and pretend like, oh, it's on him. He really feels uh, slighted and it needs to be more involved is going to go somewhere else. He's not going to get any money anywhere. He'll probably sign on to the team. I don't know if he'll even make a roster next year in the NFL. I mean, it was a bad signing for the 49ers from the start. He was overpaid for even what Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure, envisioned him to be a, a big feature in the passing game. But he averaged 3.9 yards per carry 
And 49ers fans know what that looked like this year with Jerick McKinnon running the ball. That's where he was at in his career before his torn ACL with Minnesota. He was a, he's a sub four yard per carry guy for his career. That's who he is. He's not a great running back. He never has been. He's been a weapon in the passing game, but he's a third down back. And the 49ers really overpaid for that third down back value when, when you should be able to find that for a lot cheaper. And the Minnesota Vikings thought, and they're, they, don't, they don't run that different of a system from the 49ers. They thought, you know what? We need to go draft a better running back to be our feature guy and let Jarek McKinnon walk. That's how much they thought of Jarek McKinnon. And the 49ers rushed out to, to pay him a whole bunch of money. And they probably had to overpay to even convince him to come to a team that wasn't winning a lot of games when he signed in 2018, which I think was what happened a lot with a lot of those early contracts that the 49ers signed in 27 and 2018, 2017 and 2018, just because... It's hard to convince players to come to a rebuilding organization, but they could at least offer Jarek McKinnon playing time. And after he tore the ACL, a lot of that was out the window and now he's on his way out and he probably just feels like, you know, whatever, trying to take some power back in the situation. So F no. And I think the 49ers feel, you know, not in so many words about, about the same about trying to give him some more money to bring him back anyway. So Jarek McKinnon's going to be gone. Tevin Coleman averaged 1.9 yards per carry and he's a darling of, Kyle Shanahan's, he loved him from his days, drafted him in Atlanta, then brought him to the 49ers. I can't imagine he gets much money anywhere. Does that mean he would be more likely to come back to the 49ers? Does he say F no if the 49ers uh, reach out and try to give him a, a very low contract? I could see a path to Tevin Coleman coming back. I wouldn't want to do that, but I wouldn't be shocked if the 49ers wanted to bring back a veteran who is familiar with the system to be, you know, to battle for number three number four running back duties with Jamichael Hasty, who was really a bright spot for the 49ers. Now, yards per carry wise, he's right there with Jarek McKinnon, but it looked a lot different. Jarek McKinnon was the slowest running back in the NFL going from handoff to the line of scrimmage. Jamichael Hasty had some juice to him. He fumbled, and <laughs> after he fumbled one time this season, he was covering up the ball with two arms. He was running very much... Um, very much more cautious, I would say, is the style he was running after that. And I think it affected him. Then he got hurt and ended the season on injured reserve. But I liked what I saw from Jermichael Hasty, and I think he could play a role as a running back three for the 49ers next year and be involved in the passing game. And uh, he's got a lot of quicks to him. I liked what I saw from Jermichael Hasty. But luckily for the 49ers, there's a couple players that uh, should be ahead of him on the roster. So they don't have to lean on the young player in Jermichael Hasty. They've got Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. And probably the three standout moments from the 49ers run game all year was Jeffrey Wilson's late season heroics and the one especially large game that Jeff Wilson had in December against the Cardinals in the 20-12 win there in week, what was that, week 16, 183 yards on 22 carries. I mean, that was a fantastic game for Jeff Wilson. And Jeff Wilson's been pretty good in the passing game. He was the 49ers' main short yardage back all year and goal line back. In fact, Jeffrey Wilson led all 49ers, not only running backs, but wide receivers in touchdowns this year. And darn near led all quarterbacks in touchdowns on the roster. He had 10 total touchdowns, seven rushing, three receiving the only player with more touchdowns on the roster was Nick Mullins, who threw for 12 touchdown passes. He had more touchdowns than Jimmy Garoppolo's seven passing TDs, Beathard's six passing TDs, more than Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he blew everybody out of the water. 
George Kittle only had two touchdowns this year. So Jeffrey Wilson was a borderline MVP for the 49ers offense this year. It's, it's pretty amazing what he was able to do. And I think he's a solid and very different running back than Raheem Mostert. And he's the perfect, I think, change of pace, you know, power back to Raheem Mostert's speed going into next season. And I'm fine. If the 49ers don't add anything but undrafted free agent running backs to Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Jamichael Hasty, I'm okay with it. In fact, that's probably the path I would advise they go down. I'm not talking fullbacks here with Kyle Juszczyk, who, by the way, is also a free agent and had a really good year. He's He hasn't been heavily used, though, uh, in the running game or the passing game. He can do a lot. He's very versatile. But I saw a stat recently comparing Kyle Juszczyk's statistics with Tom Rathman's statistics. And those were the days where fullbacks were a batting ram. And I know Tom Rathman was in Old West Coast, Bill Walsh's West Coast offense, Fullbacks weren't used quite as much as a batting ram as the rest battering ram as the rest of the league. But I mean, Kyle Juszczyk for what he's being paid and he's really good and he can do a lot of things for you. He, he's not utilized that much. Well, the 49ers pony up and pay Kyle Juszczyk again as the highest paid fullback in the league. And he is the best fullback in the league, but there's not even that many team teams that use fullbacks these days. So that that's an interesting one. What do you pay Kyle Juszczyk? I want to hear what you guys think about re-signing Kyle Juszczyk in this offseason that might be a little bit of a salary crunch at a number of positions. At BD Peacock, hit me up. What do you think? What do you pay Kyle Juszczyk? Do you bring him back or not? But focusing on the tailback position, I'm fine with Mostert, Wilson, Hasty, and a bunch of undrafted free agents. And I'm sure the 49ers will draft a guy, maybe someone who can return kicks, has some versatility that's sort of a hybrid return man, running back, receiver, which could be fun, and, and that could be a, a really useful piece in Kyle Shanahan's offense. I just hope he doesn't draft that type of player earlier than round four. So day three, they'll draft a player, I'm sure. if Even if they just go strict free agent running backs in the draft, I'm fine with that too. To add depth and add some competition at the position to uh, Austin Walter, who's probably going to come back and and be among those players vying for a practice squad spot. But just don't spend a day two. Don't spend a first round pick for sure. And don't spend a day two draft pick either on a running back. And don't spend any free agent dollars on a running back unless it's Kyle Juszczyk. That, that's the only plan of action for the 49ers at the position. And it might be taken out of their hands in some ways, luckily, that they can't really even want to spend money on that position this offseason, just the way things are going with the shrinking salary cap. Um, I mentioned how there's a few bright spots at running back this year and Jeffrey Wilson's 180 yards in the win against Arizona. I think the other two bright spots were probably the two fastest things that happened in the NFL this season. Raheem Mostert, who had two runs that were faster than anybody else in the league. Again, he was the fastest ball carrier in the NFL, this time hitting 23 miles per hour. And that was fun while it lasted. Raheem Mostert only ended up playing eight games this year. And, you know, his five yards per carry, that's who he is. He's a big play guy. He is going to produce in Kyle Shanahan's offense. The question is, has he proven now that he's probably not going to be a guy that carries the load? Does he need to completely split time with Jeffrey Wilson and, and mix uh, you know, another running back or two in there, a fullback, in quite a lot? Or can he be a guy that, that carries the ball 20 times per season? And, and was it just happenstance that he was, was among the many 49ers that were hurt this year? That, that's a big question going into next year. How much can you use Raheem Mostert? Because uh, if you could use him 
all season long and treat him like a workhorse. I mean, you're talking about easily a thousand yard running back, probably closer to a 1500 yard running back. That's how explosive Raheem Mostert is in Kyle Shanahan's running game. And I can't wait to see him healthy next year and get another shot being the number one guy. Okay. That's the running back position this year. Raheem Mostert gets a B minus. He was explosive five yards per carry, but he got hurt. So he can't be an A guy. Jeffrey Wilson, I think for what he was able to do, gets a solid B as well. A Kyle use as far as fullbacks go, he gets an A. If we're giving letter grades to hasty, he gets a, he gets a passing grade. He gets a C minus C's get degrees. Undrafted guy even making his way onto the roster, I think, is something and uh, showed me some explosive abilities that I think the 49ers can make use of in the future. Jarek McKinnon gets a D. I was impressed with him at least playing 16 games. I mean, that's worthy of a D right there, even though he didn't really do much with those carries or touches. And Tevin Coleman gets an F and uh, he averaged 1.9 yards per carry. Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman should probably not touch the ball for the 49ers Ever again. No ill will towards the guys. Even after Jarek McKinnon's comments, I get it, whatever. But running backs just don't last long in the NFL. And unfortunately, I think for those two players, their time has come. Mamas, don't let your kids grow up to be running backs. Your questions next. I have a feeling a lot of them are going to be about trading for quarterbacks. You know where built bars really shine? Road trips. And I will be utilizing them this week as I head to the snow. Built Bars are so good for that car ride. You don't want to pull over to the drive-thru, crush a burger and fries. It's 1,000 calories. Have a Built Bar in the car. 130 calories in the salted caramel flavor. 17 grams of protein. Only 4 grams of sugar. And it's that protein, not only to give you energy, tides you over too. It's not that thing where you need to go running for a, a whole bunch more food later. You eat the snack and it tides you over. It does exactly what it should do. Oh, and it tastes amazing is covered in 100% actual legit real chocolate low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber even great for a keto diet go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on you'll get 20% off your next order that is builtbar.com use promo code locked on for 20% off your next box of built bars you can be assured that the Super Bowl is well covered when it comes to any number of odds and props and bets that you could make at Bet Online. They've got NFL futures, draft futures, NCAA football futures for 2022 national champions. There is only one place that has you covered, and you can even get a little welcome bonus. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code Locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Not only NFL, there's table games. You like to play poker, blackjack, of course, NBA action now. NHL is happening. I've enjoyed seeing the NHL highlights. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code either. Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's start this off with Ayuk Fanboy, who asks a question that I've, I've seen asked from a lot of people. When are teams allowed to start trading? Well, officially, trades can't be finished until the start of the league year, which is the same time that free agency begins. There's that two-day tampering period. But uh, 
any teams can agree on a trade. It just won't be official until then. So a trade could happen tomorrow and it just wouldn't be the paperwork wouldn't be filed until the, the season actually starts. But the tampering thing is interesting, too, because when it comes to teams and I've had some arguments with some people about what it would take to trade for Deshaun Watson and how the Texans could pull that off and, and what and what teams Watson would want to go to. And if you're the Houston Texans, you would want to utilize all of the teams you can to drive up the price for the team that that you are willing to trade him to and that Deshaun Watson is willing to go to. But you have to give Watson and his people permission to seek a trade or teams can't talk to him. So essentially, if a, a team can't legally, it would be tampering if they did go to Watson and his people and say, hey, we're trying to trade for you to let him know which teams are interested. I think it's pretty clear what teams will be interested, and there's probably some back channel ways that they can get some of that information out. But if I'm the Houston Texans, I'm I want the biggest pool of teams bidding up Deshaun Watson, if I'm trying to trade him away, if I decide that I'm okay with trading him away, I want the Jets involved. I want the Dolphins involved. Uh, And it sounds like Deshaun Watson, actually, uh, one of his top teams might be the Jets and maybe even the Jets over the Dolphins. And he really liked Robert Sala and wanted the Houston Texans to interview him. And they did not. So that's a twist there. If he's willing to go to the Jets and the, and the, or the Dolphins and I've said this a million times, and it just makes too much sense if he's willing to go to those two teams, and it sounds like he would be, and the Texans are willing to trade him to an AFC team. I mean, those two teams just far and away have the best ability to trade for Deshaun Watson. So that's that. Um, But anyways, I don't even remember where I was going with all this. Oh, yeah, about, yeah, so, uh, but even if you say are the Texans and you don't want to trade him within the AFC, you don't tell those teams that you let them bid up and bid up and bid up and try to get a team like say the 49ers who Deshaun Watson would likely be willing to go to as well and waive his no trade clause. And you're trying to get the 49ers bid up as high as you can saying, look, you've got to get beat this deal from the dolphins or the jets have this on the table. You've got to beat that. So you've got to get as much as you can from the team that you would actually willing, be willing to consummate a trade with that Watson would be willing to go to. So, I don't know where I even got off on that tangent, but it was just something that's been on my mind about how a trade could work for some of these teams. And that goes for any uh, team that's trying to trade anybody away. You want to, you don't want to let everything happen to where you're pigeonholed to talking trade with only one team. I mean, that would be a dream scenario for the 49ers is if it came out that Houston doesn't want to trade into the AFC and that Watson um, knew that the 49ers were trying to trade for him and say, well, that's the team I want to go to. And then all of a sudden now you're, talking trade with one team, and all of a sudden that value goes way down in what you can get at return because there's not a bunch of teams bidding that up. And I would not leave it to Houston to botch that whole thing and do it absolutely wrong. So who knows? Maybe the 49ers could get a deal in one of these trades. And obviously Watson, I've seen this question numerous times, Watson's by far the, the best option. If you can get Watson, you go get Watson. After that, it would be Aaron Rodgers, and then third on the list would be Matthew Stafford from the big three veteran names that are currently being tossed around. But as of now, only one of those quarterbacks is actually available in Stafford. David says, if you're Jacksonville, do you trade your number one pick in this draft for Watson? Lawrence is great, but has had zero snaps in the NFL. Uh, there's multiple reasons why this, I wouldn't do it. It's, this is one of the least likely scenarios for Watson, just because one, it's not going to happen because they're in the same division. You're, Houston's not going to trade him to Jacksonville. 
And Jacksonville doesn't want to see Trevor Lawrence become amazing and beat them twice a year either. So I don't see this happening on either end. I think Houston would still ask for more with the first overall pick. Jaguars, even if it wasn't Jaguars and they say it was a different team, would say, no way, I'm not going to give you Trevor Lawrence, who could be a generational quarterback and more for Watson, even though he's money in the bank, but he's also a veteran. He's also going to start costing money. And one of the best things you can have in the NFL is a great young quarterback on a rookie contract, which is what Jacksonville is hoping they're going to get there. And they're probably not going to win that much in the next couple of years with Watson anyway. And and maybe the Houston Texans won't, which might be the best argument that the Texans should trade Watson because they lost with him this year and they're not going to be good for a while because they don't have a first round picks or a second round pick to their first pick is 67 overall. How are the Texans going to get better right now? So the Jacksonville number one and Watson, it just doesn't match up. They're in the same division. Not going to happen. Similarly, a team like the Indianapolis Colts, who now don't have a quarterback after Philip Rivers has announced his retirement, they're in the same division with the Houston Texans, so they can't trade for Deshaun Watson, but they can trade for Matthew Stafford. And I think if the 49ers did really want to get into it and trade for Matthew Stafford, that's the team they're competing against. And the Colts, I would say, would be more willing to give up more In a trade, well, first of all, they're drafting in the first round later than the 49ers, so that helps the Niners, but it also hurts the Niners because that means there's a team behind them that knows they're going to have to give up a first plus, and if you're the Colts, you're going from zero to Matthew Stafford. You're not going from Jimmy Garoppolo to Matthew Stafford, so they should be willing to give up more, and they would be probably at least willing to go a first and a third. Is a first and a third better at pick 20, where are they, pick 24, better than the 49ers at pick 12 by itself. And then that's where you start to get expensive for the 49ers. You go back to the Niners and say, hey, you got to give us a first plus. To me personally, I say no. Will the Niners be willing to do that? I don't know. Would the Colts be willing to go crazy and say, look, we're, we want to win right now. We have a team that's ready to win. Perfect fit. Let's go. Here's two first round. Like, How big will a team like that go? And what would that bidding war look like for Matthew Stafford? And then again, back to the conversation of, okay, if you're asking me for two first round picks, I'm calling the Houston Texans. I'm calling the Green Bay Packers well before I'm calling the Detroit Lions. And only once those avenues are exhausted would I say, okay, well, then let's let's turn our attention to Matthew Stafford. And I still personally wouldn't give up more than a first. And I would hope to give up less than that. But the price for quarterbacks is high, and I would understand if the 49ers did have to give up that number 12 overall pick for someone like Matthew Stafford, and then hopefully get back. Look, if Stafford's worth a one plus, you might still be able to get a two for Jimmy G. And, and if that's the case, maybe that helps. Um, they Maybe that helps. But then the teams that are trying to get Jimmy G might be trying to get Stafford, except the Chicago Bears, again, we're talking same division, NFC North. So the Bears don't have the opportunity to go get Stafford. Maybe they want to go get Jimmy G. Maybe Stafford, though, uh, ends up in New England with the Patriots, which would be the other team that Jimmy Garoppolo would make a lot of sense. So uh, (laughs) this offseason is going to be nuts. I can't wait to see how this all plays out. And just for the fun factor, I hope all of these quarterbacks actually become available. And I'm interested to find out in the coming days. I think we'll probably hear pretty quick if there's a leak out there that the 49ers might be very interested in Matthew Stafford. One more quick one, this one from Mr. Controversy himself, a non-quarterback related question says, does inconsistency at right guard play some role in McGlinchey's performance this year? The nearest consistent offensive lineman was all the way over at left guard. I feel like there was a different right guard center every week and unity is key on the line. 
That's a good point, Mr. Controversy. I think there's a lot of that, and I think that's just why the overall offensive line didn't play as well as most people expected. Continuity is huge. Working together is really big. Uh, there were times that he was just beat straight up, though, so you can't really blame the left guard on that. But there was times that they were running games and stunts, and, and maybe things didn't get picked up well. Uh, communication, the quarterback plays a huge role, if not bigger than who's playing right guard next to McGlinchey, who's playing quarterback, is as big of a role if they step up. Maybe, a, I mean, and it's clear, and that's one of the things with Matthew Stafford. He hit a lot. He holds onto the ball a lot. He gets hit a lot, tries to make the big throw. That doesn't really jive with the way Kyle Shanahan runs his offense. Can uh, Tiger change his stripes? That's not to say Stafford wouldn't fit. I think Stafford would be fine in the 49ers offense, and it would be a lot of fun, I think. And, and potentially he could be at a Matt Ryan level with Shanahan, like with the Falcons in 2015 and 2016. It, it's also interesting, and, and it all really works together. So yes and no, I think having consistency on the guy next to you is important and could have definitely impacted Mike McGlinchey. Uh, the quarterback could have as well, but there were times when he was on an island and just flat out getting beat and times where it was pretty clear when they wanted to have a deeper drop back that they were putting a tight end over there and trying to help Mike McGlinchey because they couldn't consistently expect him to not get beat. And he's graded out as such a great run blocker as well. So there's just so many different aspects to all of it when it comes to the offensive line. They do need to address the offensive line. They need to continue to add more draft picks there. Luckily, the 49ers do have a number of draft picks this year, even though they don't have their original third. They got the extra third for Sala. They have their first and second rounders. They have three fifth rounders. So they can draft a few offensive linemen, maybe dip their toe into free agency to try to shore some of that stuff up. And uh, I think there's a good chance we'll see the offensive line play a lot better next year, um, not only because Jimmy Garoppolo could be back there, even though he's had his problems sometimes in feeling pressure and in, in stepping up and making plays, but maybe if there's a different quarterback as well. Yeah, I guess I lied. That did turn into a quarterback question somewhat, but it's all related. It's a symbi-offensive relationship. Okay, uh, good stuff. Thanks for all the questions, everybody. We'll get to more later in the week, and I still do have a bunch of good questions that I like that are queued up, but keep them coming. At BD Peacock on Twitter, be back talking wide receiver prospects tomorrow with Eric Crocker right here, Locked on 49ers.